Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please make sure the volume of this podcast is set perfectly to your listening enjoyment. Please take your seat, whether that's on the treadmill, car, sofa, or bed, and buckle in for the last trip. My name is Jamie Beebe, and I'll be your tour guide, recreating someone's last days in paradise. On behalf of myself and everyone behind the scenes, please enjoy the Last Trip Podcast. And because nobody likes a long flight to get to where they want to be, let's prepare for takeoff. Last month, the U.S. Embassy in Colombia issued a new security alert warning travelers of the risks of using dating apps while in the country. News outlets started reporting that there were at least eight suspicious deaths of U.S. citizens in Medellin between November 1st and December 31st, 2023. While all the deaths come about from different circumstances, they were linked through the use of dating apps and involved drugging, robbery, kidnapping, and in some cases, a lot of violence. On January 2nd, 2024, the U.S. increased the Columbia Travel Advisory to Level 3, Reconsider Travel. This was due to overall crime and terrorism, not just because of the dating app deaths. It's advised to exercise increased caution due to civil unrest and kidnapping. Going on to say violent crime such as homicide, assault, and armed robbery is widespread. Also, organized criminal activities such as extortion, robbery, and kidnapping are common in some areas. Now, all of this really caught my eye because I was wondering why so many people are on dating apps in other countries. I'm not against a vacation meet cute, but I'm not going to spend my time swiping at the beach. When I looked into it, I found there was a lot more going on than what the media was reporting. And a lot more tourists are targeted and murdered in Colombia than I realized. I've traveled over 35 countries, and I have to admit, the only country I didn't feel safe in was Colombia. I took a solo trip to Santa Marta, a small town along the coast, to get my scuba certificate and see the sights. The area was beautiful, and learning to dive was amazing, but I spent a lot more time in my hostel than I normally do while I travel. I didn't actually see any crime, and I wasn't put in any specific unsafe situations. But I listened to my gut and something just didn't feel right. So I didn't go out too early in the morning and I was back well before dark each day. I didn't go to any bars or clubs and when I ate at restaurants, I brought my own water bottle. Even walking around in the tourist areas during the day, I felt like a target. And I was in a small beach town far from the crime of Medellin, Cartagena, and Bogota. At the hostel, I talked to other travelers, and every single one of them had been or knew someone who had been drugged and robbed somewhere in Colombia during their trips. This doesn't mean I wouldn't go back to Colombia. The locals I talked to were very friendly, the food was great, and the country is beautiful. But when I go back, I'll be a lot more aware, and I won't go solo. Colombia has been plagued by violence stretching back centuries. In the 16th to the 19th centuries, Spanish colonization brought numerous conflicts and massacres. The 19th century saw independence from Spain in 1819, but was followed by civil wars and regional conflicts. There was rivalry between conservative and liberal factions that led to prolonged periods of violence, including the Thousand Days War from 1899 to 1902, which resulted in significant loss of life. La Violencia was from 1948 to 1958 after the assassination of a liberal presidential candidate, when the country endured hundreds of thousands of deaths and widespread destruction. 
After that, the 1960s saw the rise of leftist guerrilla groups, like the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia and the National Liberation Army, which further fueled the violence. And in the 1980s, Colombia became a major producer and exporter of cocaine, giving way to drug cartels like the Medellin cartel led by Pablo Escobar and the Cali cartel. The cartels introduced brutal turf wars, assassinations, and even more corruption. Paramilitary groups were formed in the 1990s, initially to combat the guerrilla groups, but they became heavily involved in drug trafficking, so the violence just continued to escalate. In the 2010s, Colombia made significant strides toward peace and signed a historic peace agreement between the Revolutionary Armed Forces and the Colombian government in 2016. This peace agreement led to a huge jump in tourism because even though the violence continued, they saw the money tourism could bring in. So they started marketing campaigns to tourists and digital nomads, even offering a nomad visa allowing remote workers to live and work in Colombia for a maximum of two years without paying taxes. And in most countries, especially the United States, money stretches much further there. But along with more tourists came more problems, including sex tourism. Colombia is one of 12% of countries worldwide where prostitution is legal. There are brothels, red light districts, and even numerous sex resorts there. The website for the Good Girls Sex Resort in Cali, Colombia says, You are attended by the most beautiful Latin women who will be your guardian angels for as long as you decide. Packages range from $500 for a room with a girl to $1,500 for a villa, spa pass, helicopter tour, VIP nightlife experience, and two girls. So your dollar really stretches in Colombia. When I was researching sex tourism, I came across Passport Bros, a relatively new movement that is unfortunately gaining momentum. It's a group of men who believe feminism has corrupted women by convincing us we are allowed to have equal rights. This movement comes directly from incel culture, where these men believe they are entitled to submissive women who will take care of them and do whatever they say. So what is a Passport Bro? Well, from their website, the official PassportBros.com, it's written, A passport bro is a term used to describe a specific mindset and lifestyle choice adopted by men who have decided to pursue relationships with foreign women from different cultural backgrounds, often in countries outside their own. The concept of passport bros arises from a perception that traditional values and behaviors are more prevalent among foreign women compared to the cultural shifts observed in Western societies. This term is rooted in the belief that some Western women have embraced what is seen as an aggressive and hostile feminist philosophy that can lead to contentious relationships with men. Passport bros view foreign women as potential partners who possess qualities they deem desirable in contrast to what they perceive as negative attributes in Western women. The passport bro mindset emerges from a range of concerns about modern Western dating and marriage culture. Among these concerns, one of the primary grievances is the perception that many Western women exhibit behaviors that are argumentative, confrontational, highly manipulative, and exhibit traits often associated with masculinity. Among the many traits they have started to display are abrasive conduct, combative attitudes, and an overemphasis on anti-male feminist philosophy and combative individualism to the detriment of traditional gender roles. These behaviors, in the eyes of passport bros, are seen as incompatible with harmonious relationships and are believed to contribute to the breakdown of connections between men and women in the Western dating scene. And guys, as it continues, it only gets worse. They talk about Western women who are given a free pass by the American legal system to make false allegations against men, 
mostly in terms of rape, and that celebrity female role models are promoting male manipulation and financial exploitation. They actually consider this a movement, that they need this movement because of, in their words, the abhorrent treatment and disrespect men receive from Western women. They blame women and how they are treated by women for weekly mass shootings, the cost of living, a hyper-anti-masculinity environment, a biased court system, and widespread paternity fraud. The website talks about unfair laws against men, like the ones that make them financially responsible for the children they make. Their favorite destinations in order are Croatia, Cambodia, Colombia, Philippines, Vietnam, Brazil, Thailand, Mexico, and Venezuela. Those countries have very high numbers of sex trafficking and forced prostitution. The website gives in-depth details about each of these countries. Where to find women, where to stay, eat, how to dress, how much to spend, what to do if they're arrested, and what dating apps will find them the best girls. In their chat groups and forums, they discuss countries with the lowest ages of consent, like the Philippines, where the age of consent was recently raised from 12 to 16 years old. What they fail to mention is that going to another country for sex can get you killed, especially in Colombia. Before we dive into the many victims in this episode, there is no confirmation that any of the men killed were part of the Passport Bros movement. While several news sources made that connection, there's no evidence other than some of them had met their murderers through dating apps. And regardless, I don't want to blame the victim because no one deserves to lose their lives. Even a passport bro. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The U.S. was not the only country to warn against dating app murders, and Americans are not the only ones getting murdered. But statistically, the foreigners who died the most in Colombia are American men. But when I started researching this episode, I found a lot more than eight victims. So many victims just in the last year that I can't cover them all here. I'm going to limit it to just a few American cases that gained the most attention. So let's dive in. Paul Nguyen was 27 years old when he was killed in Colombia in November of 2022. Originally from Orange County, California, he went to Medellin with friends to sightsee, experience the vibes, and see a Bad Bunny concert. While he was there, he tried his luck on Tinder and matched with a beautiful young Colombian woman. They met on November 10th at a bar in the touristy El Poblado neighborhood, where Paul stuck a photo of the two of them and sent it to his friends on Snapchat with the caption, the language barrier is unreal. When he didn't return to the Airbnb that night, his friends became concerned and contacted his family, who alerted the authorities. His family immediately noticed several odd credit card transactions throughout the night, and they knew something was very wrong. Two days later, his body was found behind a dumpster over five miles away, missing his phone and wallet. His date drugged him for an easy robbery, but gave him too much and he died. Because he snuck the photo of her and sent it to his friends, 
who took a screenshot and gave it to authorities, they were able to arrest the woman for his murder. Justin Patrick Goldberg arrived in Medellin on February 9, 2023. At 11.50 p.m., security cameras at his hotel captured him wandering through a corridor until he found a window that allowed him to exit to a roof on the fifth floor. From there, the 34-year-old from New Jersey took off his shoes, walked several meters, and jumped to his death. When inspecting his hotel room, agents found several different types of drugs. Nobody has been arrested, and the case is still under investigation. Richard Jose Pacheco was a 43-year-old hairstylist from Miami who was visiting Colombia in August of 2023. He arrived in Medellin with two friends to enjoy the weather and party. They rented an apartment through Airbnb in the Conquistadores neighborhood and went out to explore the city. They walked around Medellin, had lunch, and then went to an LGBTQ club in the touristy area of El Poblado. While they were at the club, they met two women who were presumably a couple, and they all partied through the night club hopping until Richard's friends noticed he started acting strangely. He was more disoriented than he should have been, so they ended the party around 4 a.m. and took an Uber to their apartment. The group said they only had a few drinks and had not done any drugs through the night. Richard's friends found him dead at 11 a.m. on the morning of August 12th. Gregory Owens, a retired UPS worker from Chattanooga, Tennessee, was visiting Cartagena in October of 2023 when he was gunned down during a robbery. Thieves took his watch and a gold chain from around his neck. Newspapers said he was in Colombia looking for love. Johnny Jerome was an IT analyst from Florida celebrating his 45th birthday in Medellin with his cousin when he was murdered. The pair checked into a luxury hotel suite and went out on the town. After what the media called an intense night of partying, they went back to the room around 3.30 a.m. with two women they met earlier in the night. Johnny was in his room when the women left around 5.30 in the morning. His cousin thought he was asleep, so he had another drink in the living room to wind down before going to sleep himself. When his cousin checked on him in the morning, Johnny was dead in the jacuzzi in his room. The investigation is ongoing and no arrests have been made. Jeffrey Hudson Hewitt was a 55-year-old man found dead in a pool of blood in his Medellin hotel room on November 13, 2023. The night before, he met an 18-year-old woman on a dating app and after meeting in a public place for drinks, he brought her back to his place. She left with bags full of his things a short time after stabbing him over 20 times in the neck and covering him with a sheet. She was later caught after authorities found her identity using the hotel security cameras. Jeffrey was from Austin, Texas, and was a highly regarded employee of sales for Dell. He had a lot of friends who described him as an easygoing, kind spirit. Marcel Petronau left Florida for a Colombian vacation and ended up murdered in Medellin on November 15, 2023. While with a woman outside a commercial business, four people on two motorcycles pulled up to rob him. He resisted and was shot, dying at a nearby hospital. Two of the four suspects were arrested. Mike Smith was a 35-year-old American who rented an Airbnb just outside of the main tourist area of Medellin from November 24th to November 28th, 2023. According to the homeowner, Mike met a woman on a social network and invited her over. Shortly after she arrived, her accomplice showed up and they murdered him with a crosshead, or type of tire iron. They stole his jewelry and money, but left behind his iPhone 15. They were caught on security cameras and arrested. 
Tu Zhezhong was a 50-year-old community activist and comedian from Minnesota who loved Colombia and visited often, even spending his time learning Spanish. During his two-month visit to Medellin, he texted his brother on the evening of December 10th, 2023, writing, Can you send me a couple thousand dollars? I'm in a bit of a situation, but everything's okay. Unfortunately, everything was not okay. He had met a 19-year-old woman online, and after going on several dates, including a Carol G concert, his date and her 17-year-old boyfriend kidnapped him. After his friends and family sent the money, they tied him up, tortured him, stabbed him, crushed his head with a rock, and then threw him off a cliff. The next morning, Tujer's roommate saw his bed empty and filed a missing persons report, leading to the discovery of his body by a creek. The murdering couple was caught after they followed the paper trail from the money his brother sent. Philip Mullins was just 32 years old when he was drugged and found dead in Medellin on December 16, 2023. He left Tennessee with a group of friends to party in Colombia, and after a night out, he invited a woman he met back to his luxury hotel. The next morning, his friends were concerned when he didn't answer calls or meet them at a planned excursion. They alerted the hotel staff who opened the door for them and found him dead inside. His date was gone, and authorities are still trying to determine what happened. Jesse Colin Davis was 46 years old when he was found in critical condition in a hotel room in Cartagena. Jesse lived on a farm in Bovie, Minnesota with his husband and enjoyed playing in the symphony orchestra, volunteering at a radio station, and working with several nonprofit organizations. When he didn't check out of his hotel room, they found him and rushed him to the hospital, where he later died from a possible drug overdose. There are no suspects. David Lopez Gaviria was only 28 years old when he left Colorado to visit family in Copacabana. He was last seen on January 31st driving away on his motorcycle. His family searched tirelessly, only to find him on February 4th in a bag on the side of a highway between Medellin and Bogota. His cousin said she would always remember him as she saw him, smiling, full of hugs, and with one of the kindest hearts. He loved to share photos of sunsets and mountains on his social media. Police are still searching for clues. Anthony Lopez entered his hotel room at 5 a.m. on February 4, 2023, with two women he met in Medellin after a fun night on the town. And that was the last time he was seen alive. When he didn't check out the next afternoon, hotel employees opened the door to find him naked in bed with foam coming out of his mouth. The women had left a few hours earlier carrying a bag of his things. What started out as a birthday vacation for the 29-year-old from New York turned into a GoFundMe set up by his family to bring his body back to the United States and pay for funeral expenses. Manly Mark Conley also died on February 4th of this year in Medellin. He fell from the 17th floor of the Airbnb he'd been staying at since December 22nd. Authorities are still trying to determine how he happened to fall and who was behind it. Manly was just one of three other tourists that fell from a high-rise in the last few months in the same area, although he was the only American. He was 37 years old. Dakarai Earl Cobb was found lifeless just a couple days ago in a house he rented in Medellin, vacationing in Colombia for a month. The owners of the house were concerned when they hadn't seen him for a while. When they went inside to check, they found his body. His passport, cell phone, and credit cards were all missing. Forensic experts are looking into his death, but have no suspects. On a Passport Bros Reddit group, they blamed his death on women in America, saying men have to go to other countries to find women because American women no longer respect them. 
I wonder why. You may have noticed there are no female tourists on my list of recent American deaths in Colombia, and that's because they aren't being murdered at the same rate or in the same way as foreign men in the country. And that's simply because most women are not using dating apps or bringing men they meet at bars back to their hotel rooms. Although I'm sure it happens, they aren't getting murdered for it. So how are all of these deaths linked? First, many have been drugged. Colombia is the cocaine capital of the world, but many of these tourists are being drugged without their knowledge and it's happening at an alarming rate. Carlos Calle, former director of the city's tourism observatory, said it's common for criminals to drug tourists with scopolamine, which is an odorous and tasteless substance known as devil's breath. It comes from the nightshade plant called barandanga, and it's easily found throughout the Andes. I heard a little bit about these druggings while I was in Colombia, but really thought devil's breath was an urban legend. Unfortunately, after talking to other tourists at the hotel, I realized it's not a legend at all but very much a reality. Story after story of people coming to hours and days after being drugged and having no recollection of anything that happened. And there are over 50,000 cases of devil's breath poisoning every year. It's easy to find, easy to use, and by the time you realize you've been drugged, it's too late. The effect of devil's breath starts showing after about 20 minutes. And this is not a new drug. Historically, it dates back thousands of years for use in shaman ceremonies because of the hallucinogenic effects. In the 19th century, it was used for treatment of motion sickness and nausea, which it still is today in very low doses. In the early 20th century, women were given the drug during childbirth, and doctors noticed they would often answer questions sincerely, openly, and truthfully once they ingested it, so they started to pursue it as a type of truth serum. But there were too many side effects like death, to continue being used as a truth serum, so they stopped. The reason this drug is so scary is because it can be ingested, inhaled, or absorbed through the skin. It's easily mixed into food or drinks, added to common party drugs, or laced into a cigarette. The rumors of criminals handing someone a laced business card or leaflet or blowing the drug into your face, rendering you helpless, is very unlikely. The dose that can be absorbed that way would likely be too low to have the desired effect. There have been several cases of it being administered through a massage, although again, very unlikely to work because it absorbs so slowly. In almost all cases, it was dropped into a drink by a stranger, added to food, or unknowingly included in party drugs bought by the victim. Criminals use it because it's fast-acting, and what happens under the effect of scopolamine is not recorded by the brain, so essentially there's no memory of it, making it very difficult to identify any suspects. Also, when on the drug, people are usually coherent enough, but out of it enough, to be able to recite their passwords and bank numbers. Many times the victim will wake up several days later with no knowledge of what happened to them. Of course, if someone is accidentally given too much, they can die. And there are other ways these deaths are linked, and that's sex tourism. Basically, going on vacation with the purpose of taking advantage of the lack of restrictions on prostitution in certain countries, which is the whole idea of the Passport Bros movement. Women in your country won't be with you for a variety of reasons, but you can pay a woman in a poorer country who doesn't have a choice. Most of the women are trafficked, drugged, underage, and forced into the industry, and the Passport Bros movement sees it as their right to have them. Of course, not all men are meeting women in other countries with the idea of sex and prostitution in mind. And that's where the dating apps come in. 
Online dating is extremely common in the United States and many countries worldwide. It's a great way to meet people for any reason. And criminals are taking advantage of that. Some men are not traveling with the intention of meeting women at all. But they think they organically meet a woman at the bar who is interested in them, only to be drugged and robbed instead. How does Colombia feel about the increase in these crimes? Carlos Cali blames the tourist, saying there's a negative profile of the tourist in the city that looks for a certain type of opportunities. It's usually related to sex work. William Vivas, a public human rights defender in Medellin, said Medellin is a safe city, but as the number of tourists goes up, so does the number of certain phenomena around tourism. Which is a fancy way of saying it's just a numbers game. More tourists arriving means more tourists getting murdered. And while I do agree with it being somewhat of a numbers game, those numbers are pretty high. What's happening in Colombia and why are criminals using dating apps? How does it end in murder and why are Americans targeted? First, Americans aren't necessarily the targets. But the number of Americans that are visiting Colombia has risen so much in the last few years that it's simply easier to find them. Spiking drinks isn't a new idea and romance scams aren't a new idea. Using dating apps just makes it easier. Dating apps simplify the work of finding targets. They can find people faster that are available and interested. They can look through the photos and try to determine the amount of money their target might have depending on photos with cars or jewelry. And if you've been on dating apps, you know a lot of guys use photos next to a Ferrari, wearing expensive watches, travel photos, lots of other photos that would make someone think they're doing very well financially. Also, meeting in person for drinks on a first date after matching on an app is very common in the U.S., but it's actually not that common in Colombia. So if a woman agrees to meet up at night for drinks, it should be a red flag. If a woman agrees to meet up but wants to bring a friend, that's also a red flag. And these dating app deaths are not limited to a specific sexuality. The apps used are predominantly Tinder, Bumble, and Grindr, but not limited to those. And many of the deaths, unless violent, are drugging gone wrong. Criminals aren't in the market to figure out the exact dosage. So sometimes they give too much and their target dies. If you're in Colombia, how do you make sure you're not drugged and robbed? Because most of these deaths could have been prevented. These victims were in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. A perfect storm. A crime tornado, if you will. A big issue is that people assume another country has the same laws or customs as their own. Look into dating in other countries before you arrive, if that's what you plan on doing, and conduct your dating in a similar way that they do in that country. And to put it in the nicest possible way, if you're a 50-year-old man, it's unlikely a beautiful 18-year-old woman is swiping right because she finds you attractive and can't wait to have sex with you while you're visiting her country. It's not realistic in the United States, and it's not realistic in Colombia either. The Passport Bros movement is convincing men that these young women in other countries want to have sex with them merely because they're American, when in reality, it's a group of men with a cult-like mindset trying to take advantage of women in other countries and different cultures. Even knowing about the possible dangers of Colombia, it really is a great place to visit. Overall, the people are kind, welcoming, and friendly. And if you take the time to learn about customs and etiquette of the countries on your travel list, you'll have a much better chance of staying safe. So here are a few tips. If you're dining out with your Colombian friends, the common toast when drinking is salud, which means to your health. Don't use a toothpick while seated at the table, and keep your hands visible above the table, but don't rest your elbows on it. 
It's polite to try and taste every dish, and when you're finished eating, leave a small portion of food on your plate to indicate when you're full. If you're giving flowers to someone, avoid lilies, marigolds, or other yellow flowers because they're often used in funerals. Carnations are the national flower and should be reserved for patriotic events. And bouquets should always have an odd number of flowers in it. Family life is extremely important in Colombian culture. It's not unusual to find grandparents living at home. Families there take care of each other. In Colombian culture, men normally have a more dominant role in the household as breadwinner and disciplinarian and assume responsibility for maintaining family pride and position within the community. The role of machismo is an important characteristic of public life, and they take pride in their country. It's mandatory for radio and public television in Colombia to play the national anthem every day at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. There are some quirky traditions I found while researching Colombia. Often, shops and markets will start selling sunshine yellow underwear that lead up to the new year. It's said to attract love and happiness the following year to wear yellow underwear. And to really have the best chances, you should reverse them before midnight and then wear them the correct way after the clock strikes 12. I might have to try that one. Also, as the clock strikes midnight on New Year's Eve, it's a tradition to eat one grape per chime, so 12 grapes in all, and make a wish each time you eat a grape. People sometimes fill their pockets with lentils on New Year's Eve to guarantee a year full of abundance. Another fun tradition, if you want a new year full of travel and adventure, then you'll need to have an empty suitcase ready at midnight. As the clock strikes 12, you take it and go for a stroll around the block. For a new year full of positive vibes and to ensure you make nothing but good decisions, the first step you should take after midnight should be with your right foot. An interesting drink is hot chocolate with cheese. Yes, cheese. Double cream cheese is added to hot chocolate. It melts and forms a liquid substance. Then, after you drink the hot chocolate, the cheese that remains at the bottom of the cup is eaten with a spoon. It's usually made during Christmas or in colder weather. When you're meeting people or hanging out, don't bring up Pablo Escobar. It's not funny to joke about, especially as a tourist. The way Pablo Escobar is depicted in American movies was very different from reality, and many people are ashamed about the reputation it gave to their country. Colombia is still very much a cash-based economy, so not all places will accept credit cards, especially if you're not in a big city. Always carry enough cash for the day, but not more than you need, just in case you get robbed. Don't give papaya, which means don't flaunt what you have. Don't wear any jewelry, even fake jewelry, and don't pull a wad of money out to pay for something. Stay away from taxis. Many times, taxis are not safe, especially at night or around bars. They are waiting for a drunk tourist and will rob or kidnap you. Technically, Uber is illegal in Colombia, but it's safer than a taxi. If you get into an Uber or taxi, take a photo of the license plate and send it to a friend in case there's a problem. Wearing shorts and flip-flops to a restaurant or club is frowned upon. Makes no difference if you're a tourist, there's just no excuse for sloppy dressing. In some places, you'll get turned away if you aren't appropriately dressed. Colombia is often quite formal when it comes to dressing up or going out in the town, so just be sure to pack something presentable if you plan on partying. Gringo is not a bad name in Colombia. Even if you're not American, the term gringo is kind of a catch-all for foreigners, especially the blonde-haired, blue-eyed ones. Unless they're familiar with you and know your name, you'll be referred to as gringo. It's not an insult, so don't be sensitive about it. There are a lot of car accidents in Colombia. Be constantly aware of your surroundings, especially on a motorbike. 
motorbikes weave in and out of lanes, in between other vehicles, or on the side of the road, and sometimes on the sidewalk. Always look both ways before crossing the road and stay off your phone. Walk against the flow of traffic because it's harder to get robbed if they're coming from the opposite direction. Never use an ATM on the street. Look for machines that are either in a bank or a shopping center because they are safer. Never resist a robbery. Quickly and quietly hand over whatever they want and leave as fast as you can. Nothing is worth losing your life. And be sure you know, Columbia is spelled with two O's and not a U. C-O-L-O-M-B-I-A. Columbia. Always inform someone about your plans before you go anywhere. Tell someone reliable where you're going, what you'll be doing, and when to expect you back. My number one tip to staying alive on vacation is to pay attention to your gut. If something doesn't feel right, it isn't. If you're going to visit South America and Colombia, I don't think you need to be in constant fear and worry of being drugged. But it is a real danger that you can take precautions against. Never leave your food or drink unattended. Finish your meal and your drink before going to the bathroom. Don't let your new friend or date or stranger order you a drink. Watch as the bartender makes your drink and don't turn your back on your drinks. Not even for a second. Never go to bars and clubs alone. You're less likely to be a target if you're with a group who will have your back. Build a relationship with your apartment building or hotel doorman ahead of time. Make sure that any guests have to show their identification before entering. Let them know that any friends or guests of yours should not leave without you accompanying them. And tip your doorman so they know to keep an eye out for your safety. If you're going to meet someone, check to make sure they are who they say they are. Look at their social media. See if they have family and friends added. What kind of photos do they have? What kind of person are they? Can you speak Spanish? Do they speak English? Meet in a public place like a shopping center, restaurant, or a bar. Send your location to family and friends so they know where you are if anything happens, and let them know your plans. And if you have a bad feeling for any reason, end the date immediately and leave the area. If you feel like you've been drugged, seek immediate medical attention. Finally, remember to leave a review and rate this podcast five stars if you like the show, or hell, even if you don't. But either way, feel free to let me know what you think. Please follow The Last Trip on Instagram at The Last Trip Crime Pod and subscribe on Patreon to support the show. You'll get extra research, videos, photos, and updates, and even learn more about my personal travels. That's patreon.com slash The Last Trip Podcast. I'm Jamie Beebe, bringing you your last trip and signing off until the next one. Thanks for listening. <laughs>